Light for the Journey, a podcast of Russell Memorial Methodist Church. In today's message, Pastor David Cartwright helps us to sharpen our senses and listen to God's voice. In scripture and in the course of history, there are people who have been in tune with God's voice. God spoke to Moses face to face, to Daniel in dreams and by angels, to Samuel in the quiet of the night, and, in, and to Paul in visions. The list goes on. Why were they able to perceive God's voice? Sometimes simply because God showed up in undeniable ways. At other times, it may be because they were ready to hear. Jesus indicates his willingness to reveal himself in a promise to his disciples. It is a promise that we can claim. How then do we posture ourselves to hear God's voice? In this message, we will look at examples of people who heard what others couldn't and allow them to be encouraging examples for us to sharpen our senses. I invite you to uh, grab a Bible. We're going to look at some different scriptures this morning. I promise I am going to strongly resist uh, weaving back in the passages that I thought might just be extra. So I'm just going to concentrate on a few so that they would be illustrative, illustrative, illustrative. I don't know where to put the emphasis <laughs> on that word. Um, and we're all going to be around the Gospels and the book of Acts, so it's not going to be a wander through the, the Bible. Just uh, So I'll invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin there. Um, today we're continuing something that I began with us last week when I invited you to become hungry, hungry for God. I hope you haven't forgotten that. I hope that you are um, considering how to increase your appetite for God's presence in your life. Not the things of the world and not the gifts of God, not the blessings of God, but God himself, to yearn for him more. And as we increase our hunger for God, one of the things that I think comes naturally is the desire to hear from God, to hear God's voice, to behold God's presence, to be able to sense God when God shows up in our lives. And thus, we ask the question, how can we become more sensitive to that? How can we sharpen our awareness and, and make, our, make ourselves more keenly uh, aware when God does speak? To hear His voice amid all the sounds of the world. or To be able to see Him when He shows up. I would love to be able to say to you, I have uh, ten secrets that will unlock for you the ability to hear God's voice. I can't do that. So what I hope to do is to um, point you towards some things that are clear and that should help us along the way. I want you to write down three words. If you're a note taker in your scripture or in the bulletin, write down these three words. 
expectancy, awareness, and responsiveness. Expectancy, awareness, responsiveness. Those are your key words for today. Expectancy, awareness, and responsiveness. Before we even look at Scripture, I want to just say this. This is one of those things that um, probably should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. What we're talking about today is Holy Spirit work. The Holy Spirit will be the one who accomplishes um, the ability to hear God's voice, to see God's presence, to know Him when He shows up in your life. The first scripture example I want to show you is from Luke chapter 2. Luke has already narrated for us the birth of Jesus Christ. And there are two people that I want to use as examples. We find them in Luke chapter 2. If you look first in verse 25, now Jesus is still an infant. Mary and Joseph have brought him to the temple to offer the the rites of purification, to offer sacrifice. And so they show up at the temple, and the scripture records for us that they encounter two people. The first one's name is Simeon. We read about him. We're going to read from Luke 2, beginning at verse 25. So read with me. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came into the, in, in, in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, he took him, Simeon took him into his arms and blessed God. Don't need to read any further. Simeon had been told by God that before you die, you will behold the Messiah. That's a pretty cool promise. You know the thing God didn't tell him? When? God didn't give him a a, a day and time. May 22nd at... 2.45 p.m., you'll be standing on the east side of the temple complex, and that's where you'll see him. He, He didn't tell him when and where. He just said, you'll see him. I like how it's worded in verse 27 because it says of Simeon, he came in the Spirit into the temple. We could make much about that, but that simply tells me What I've already suspected about Simeon, that when he came, he was expecting God to show up. Let me just ask, when you come to worship, are you expecting God to show up? You should. You should. When he invites his children to come together with the promise that when two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there with you. We should expect God to show up. Simeon was expecting to see something. He didn't know when or where, but he was expecting it. 
Read down just a little bit with me. In verse 36 through 38, we meet the other woman, the other person, a woman who's a prophetess named Anna. In verse 36, it says there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him, meaning Jesus, to all of those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And so here you have Anna, widowed for many, many years. And the scripture tells us that she spent her days in the temple, serving God, worshiping God. Your immediate response might be, that sounds great, preacher, but I have things to do. I can't just spend day in and day out hanging around the church. I understand that, but if that's our response, we're missing the point. Anna, like Simeon, had applied her life to focusing on the things of God. Whether she was in the temple itself, in her home, wherever she was, the posture of her life was leaned into God. And so, like Simeon, when Jesus showed up with his parents on that day, she had eyes to see him. I want you to understand one thing very clearly because we need to have a clear picture of this. The temple complex during the day of Jesus was pretty large. And there were more than just Mary, Joseph, Jesus, Simeon, and Anna there that day. I promise you there were hundreds of people coming and going. It was crowded. Okay? How is it that Simeon and Anna had eyes to see And others didn't. Because they were expecting. They were, they were ready to see when God showed up. I would suggest to you that as you and I live our life, one of the things we can do to maybe hear God's voice when he speaks or to see God when he shows up in our lives, is to expect it to happen. That's a good first step. Go about your day expecting that God just might show up. That God's voice may just come to you in a whisper. So if it does, it won't surprise you. I probably should have said at the beginning that the scripture gives us some powerful examples of how God spoke or God revealed himself to people throughout the ages. You know, you had the apostle Paul who had a blinding light and, and a voice from heaven speaking to him clearly. You have Moses who was on a mountain uh, watching over sheep and heard God's voice coming from a bush that was burning and yet not being consumed. You have Samuel who as a child in the temple, heard his name being called out in the night and woke up and 
had a conversation with God. If any of these things happen to you, you can probably be sure that God has made himself known to you. But those will be the exceptions rather than the rule. If we're waiting on those things to happen in order for us to say, God has spoken to me, we're probably going to miss his voice. Expect God to speak. It will give you the posture to be able to hear when he does. Okay? Expectancy. Awareness. This is probably the one I really want you to focus on. Turn with me over to the book of Acts. Just a couple of books over from where you are. Acts chapter 2. For some of you, that will immediately make you think of the day of Pentecost. That's good because that's where we're going to start. And we're going to talk for a few minutes about this guy whose name was Peter. Anybody remember Peter from your children's Sunday school classes? You know what Peter did? What was, what was Peter's blue-collar job? He was a fisherman, right? Not really one who was expected to be highly educated, not, not one who uh, probably was a likely disciple of a rabbi, but Peter, okay? We know that Peter was one of the closest of the, the uh, disciples that Jesus called along with him. I want, to, I want to read with you a little bit from Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. Now, let me just kind of set the picture here. This is a feast day for the Jews. Jews have come from all over the place. They're all in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. The temple complex is packed with people. The Holy Spirit of God has been poured out upon the, the apostles and those who were gathered there. He has, the, the, the Spirit has gifted them, and they start speaking the gospel message of Jesus Christ in different dialects so that all these different people who spoke all these different dialects start hearing the gospel preached to them in a language they understood. People didn't understand what was going on. They're saying, what in the world is this? Okay, um, in verse 12 it says, They continued in amazement with great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? Others were mocking them and saying they're full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, and let me just say, this is one of the greatest lines of the Bible. I, I, tell me God, God doesn't have a sense of humor. Peter takes a stand with the eleven, raised his voice, and declared to them, Men of Judea, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. You hear what he said? It's too early for them to be drunk. And then Peter said, This is what was spoken about through the prophet Joel. And he goes on and he recites the scripture of his people to interpret for the crowd what God was doing that day. Now, that may sound amazing, but I want to just, just pause for a moment, okay? This is Peter. If you've become familiar with Peter through the Gospels, you know that more times than not, Peter is the one who couldn't get it right. 
Peter is the one who typically put his foot in his mouth because he spoke before he had understanding, and Jesus had to correct him. This is Peter. And I know, let me just get right ahead of you, because some of you are already saying, yes, but he has the Holy Spirit now. That's true. That's true. Hang with me, okay? What I'm suggesting to you is, when Peter stands up with boldness, which he already had, but with clarity and divine insight, can tell the people about the amazing thing God was doing in that moment, this is not Peter the fisherman. This is Peter who has come to understand what God was doing. He has understanding now, and there's a reason for it. Let me give you a couple of other examples, then we'll pull back and, and put it all together. Go to the next chapter, uh, in chapter 3. Uh, the chapter starts with Peter and John. They're on their way to the temple. It's, it's very soon after this, probably not the, the same day, but they're on their, uh, on their way to the temple to have their time of prayer. They encounter a man who's been lame from birth. He typically sits at the temple complex and begs for uh, offerings. Uh, in verse 3 it says, When Peter and John about, he saw John, Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began to ask to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and looked and said, uh, excuse, Man, I'm reading it's too fast. Peter said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver or gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. Now again, this is Peter. I would offer the thought that if you wind back the clock a little bit, Peter might have otherwise turned to John and said, Hey, do you have any pocket change? You know, I feel like we ought to give the guy something, but I, I didn't put anything in my pockets this morning. That would have been old Peter. New Peter understands. This is a, what do we call them? A, a divine appointment? This is a God moment. This is, this is a moment when God wants me to work his power in this person's life. Peter might have missed it, but he didn't. Okay? Let me give you one more example. Over toward the end of chapter 4, there's a little uh, set of verses where it talks about the early church. The early church were, uh, the, the people were uh, living together in the power of the Holy Spirit. They were doing wonderful things. One of the things people were doing, some of the people who owned land were, were selling their land, and they were bringing the proceeds of the land and putting it at the feet of the apostles so that the apostles might help those who were poor. Okay? It wasn't mandated just voluntary okay people were doing this in chapter 5 it says there was a man named Ananias who had a wife whose name was Sapphira and they sold a piece of property now nothing wrong with that so far okay verse 2 says they kept back some of the price for himself and with his wife's full knowledge they brought a portion of the proceeds 
and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, did you catch what they did? We might label this hypocrisy, this pretending, okay? What they were doing was pretending to do what the other people had been doing. Sold the property, brought the proceeds, gave it to the apostles. But that's not exactly what they did. They sold the property, kept some for themselves, and brought some of the proceeds, pretending like it was all. Verse 3 says, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? Now tell me something. How did Peter know that? I know. Easy answer is the Holy Spirit, right? But how is it that Peter came to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit? Peter has now come to a place where his awareness of God's presence is heightened. And that comes from proximity to the Lord. God, if God wanted to, could take somebody who was wandering far away, snatch them up, pour his Holy Spirit into them, and immediately do a 180 turn and have them speak with divine power. He could, but it's basically not the way he worked with Peter. Peter was a person who was brought alongside of Jesus Do you remember what Jesus' words were when that pattern of discipleship began? Came down by the lake, saw the fishermen, and said, come and do what? Follow me. You know what that means? (laughs) Follow me. Come along. Be a partner with me on the journey. Walk through daily life with me and observe. Learn, watch me, listen to me, be a part of what I'm doing, and learn how it is that God is working among the people. Peter got to be in proximity and watch day after day, week after week, month after month. He got to watch and observe. And slowly, Peter starts to have aha moments. Okay? If we expect to hear God's voice and to know God's presence, our level of awareness of Him needs to be raised up. And that happens when we walk closer with Him on a daily basis. Proximity matters. Let me give you a picture. A few years ago, I went as a counselor to a church summer camp. That's one of those experiences when you know you're doing a great thing before you go, and and while you're there, you think, why in the world did I sign up for this? I was doing older elementary camp, and, uh, you know, they they put you in a cabin. You've got about ten boys and, you know, a couple of counselors. Uh, Like I said, older elementary. And the whole week, the, the job of the counselor 
it, you know, one of the big jobs is you get, the, you get your cabin of boys where they need to go. To, to the Bible studies, to the dining hall, to recreation at the various places they're doing. And get, you help get them where they need to go. And we had these two boys in our cabin. They were kind of the small, they were some of the smaller of the group of boys. Sweetest kids, just the sweetest kids. But you could not keep them like attached to the rest of the group. Everywhere you tried to go with them, give, within 60 seconds, you turn around and you say, where are they? Well, they're back. And it's not like they were getting in trouble. They would ha- one of them would have a toy, or they would pick up a, a flower or a rock or something that would capture their attention. And, and you'd look back, and there they are. They're just kind of, you know... They're in their own little world, and you think, and you go back and you get them up with the group. Now, no, they probably didn't understand that what we were trying to do was for their benefit. We were trying to get them to where they really wanted to go. They wanted to go to recreation. We're trying to get them there. They wanted to go have lunch. We're trying to get them there. We're trying to get them go to Bible study. They didn't really want to do that. But they enjoyed it once we got them there. As, as their shepherds, we were trying to do what was good for them. We were trying to do work for their benefit. But they just kept lagging back and back and back. And the whole week was a was a chore of just moving them back up with the group. Stay with us, guys. Stay with us. And I wonder sometimes if that doesn't look like the way we walk through our weeks. If Jesus isn't saying, come on, you're, you're distracted with this or that, and you know, you've got so many things on your mind, I want you close to where I am. Stay close, you'll hear me better. You see, Peter stayed close. And I think it rubbed off. Yes, the Holy Spirit was working in him, but he was ready for it. While you're in Acts chapter 8, well, if you're not in Acts chapter 8, I probably haven't got you there yet, have I? Acts chapter 8. One other word I want you to take with you today, and that is responsiveness. And I don't want to say too much about this because it's going to move us in the next week. In Acts chapter 8, the the disciples, Peter and John, have been up in Samaria, been working up there. Um, In verse 26, there's a a shift that takes place, and it's uh, not speaking about Peter and John, but about Philip. It says, but an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. Interesting. The way you read the narrative can lend to different kind of pictures about where the disciples are together. We don't really know if uh, Philip was with Peter and John in Samaria or if he wasn't. I can't tell you that for certain. But I just know the picture, okay? 
Samaria is north. Peter and John are on their way back. But the Holy Spirit shows up to Philip and says, I want you to go south, okay, from Jerusalem down toward Gaza on a desert road. If you and I put ourselves in Philip's place, what we might have said could have sounded something like this. Uh, that sounds like a strange place to go, God. And, you know, this whole movement so far, as, as new as it is, has really been a Peter and John kind of led thing. Wouldn't it be better if we just wait for them? Because whatever you've got going on down on that road toward Gaza, Peter can probably handle it better. And the Holy Spirit would have said, no. I asked you to go. It's very interesting that God didn't have to give Philip uh, a five-page detailed plan or explanation for what was going to go on. He just said, go. And so Philip went. And what he found, he came, he came across this uh, Ethiopian. He'd come from Africa to Jerusalem to worship. He's obviously a convert to Judaism. He had come up to worship. He's on his way back down to Africa, riding in his chariot, He's reading from the book of Isaiah. The text tells us that he's reading out of Isaiah 53. Prophecies about the Messiah. He's going along, he's reading scripture, but he's not able to understand what he's reading. The Spirit says, hey, that guy riding in the chariot there, go up to him, strike up a conversation. That's a paraphrase, it's not exactly how it's worded here. That's exactly, pretty much what, what the Holy Spirit said. So Philip goes up, strikes up a conversation. The guy says, I don't understand what I'm reading here. And it's like the Holy Spirit says to Philip, tell him about Jesus. Just tell him about Jesus. And he does. And the Ethiopian is baptized. Do you think it's possible that somewhere from one day to the next, the Holy Spirit might nudge you and say, hey, you see that waitress over there? Go on over. Tell them about Jesus. But don't look at me like that. I'm telling you it's true. Here's the thing about responsiveness. When we learn to be obedient when the Spirit nudges our hearts, God will prove himself faithful. We just have to give him the chance. And when we show that we're willing to go, when he nudges, 
we will start to sense the nudges a little bit better. To put it in scientific terms, inertia won't be so great to overcome. Learn to be responsive. You might say, well, preacher, how should I, I mean, should I really expect that God will make himself known to me? Turn to the book of John, chapter 14. This is one verse that I wanted to show you before we, before we stop. In John chapter 14, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. It's the night before he goes to the cross. In verse 21, Jesus says this. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. I think you and I can take that as a promise. I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. We have his word that he will make himself known to us. There's no reason for us to think otherwise. I have a long history of being hard-headed. My family will readily affirm that. God has spoken to me at different times in my life. Using the terms that we usually do, it's typically like a two-by-four beside the head. It doesn't have to be that way. It's only because I've been hard hearing. My question is, will we, will we get to a place where we can hear the gentle, small voice? When we hear the gentle, small voice, God won't need the two by four. If God wants your attention, he can get it. He would prefer that we are quick to hear. And we can get that way. Now please be assured that God will speak to us on about many different things. Many different things in our lives. But he will speak to us very clearly about the mission of his church. Because we are to proclaim a risen Christ who went to a cross and died for the sins of the world. And that gospel message is still a message that changes hearts and lives today. It's a message that you've been given and I've been given. And when we hear the voice of God saying, go tell, by God's mercy, may we do nothing less. We're glad that you chose to spend this time with us in God's Word. You can watch our worship services online at www.rmmcwp.net. May the Lord grant you the light of His truth as you journey through this day. 